0: You are now listening to The Big Data Beard. Stay tuned to the end of this episode for your chance to win a free pass to Strata Data London. And don't forget, you can use promo code PCBeard for a 20% discount to any Strata Data or AI conference. And now...
1: So we're back with another episode of the Big Data Beard podcast. My name is Aaron Banks, and I'm joined by my uh, troublemaker in charge, Brett Roberts. And I'm really, really excited about this podcast. We have two special guests, Denise Kennedy and Ziad Mayo. And I had met with Ziad about maybe like a couple months ago in Boston at this data analytics event. And it was great. And I knew immediately I had to get him on the podcast because he was telling me, how the NHL is using data to really deal with issues such as attendance, which I know is a, is a large problem that's happening, not just for the NHL, but for, you know, college sports, um, for professional sports, all professional sports. So I thought it was really interesting. Wanted to, um, automatically get them on the podcast so we can really talk about business problems that they're struggling with, how they're solving them, what they've learned across that experience. So without further ado, just want to, um, introduce again our special guests and hopefully, you know, why don't you two uh, take the opportunity to introduce yourselves and your role and then what uh, your focus focused on within the company.
2: Hello, everybody. I'm Denise Kennedy. I am the Senior Director of Business Intelligence and Special Projects. I have been uh, with the company for 10 years now. And for the first five years, I was the Director of Finance, so ran the Finance Department I am a CPA by trade, so within public practice, Deloitte, um, and was actually a tax specialist before coming to uh, Calvary Sports and Entertainment, and five years ago created the Business Intelligence Group to do all of the fun projects that we never had time for when I was in finance. Uh, So we focused on, like Erin said, the drop count, and it has turned into a whole bunch of New and
3: exciting projects. Hey, everybody. Ziad Mayo here. Um, I wear a couple of hats right now, IT being one of them. So my title is Senior Director of IT. I also took over uh, food and beverage on the operations side as well, so pretty unique in that sense, and and maybe we can get into some details on that, but primarily focused around all the technology uh, for our four sports teams.
4: So Zia, that's that's actually really interesting. And when we were chatting about this prior to the the recording, I I kind of had to take a step back. I I haven't seen those two hats being worn by the same person before, or the the diversity of those two hats, right? So can you talk a little bit about how, you know, are there any synergies? Or is there any, you have a a business partner in food and beverage, and then you have IT that they work together and what we're seeing with this new world of IT being a business partner and being at the table, being able to run both those organizations, do you see any uh, direct synergies or efficiencies that come from that?
3: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head a little bit there. Um, I've always been in IT um, all my life, so nearly 20 years. In that, I've I've also crossed into hospitality. So, so really understanding um, – Business partners, working with the business, trying to support them on a day-by-day basis has allowed me to understand what they do and has allowed me to grow my skill set outside of technology and and really intrigued by business operations has allowed me to take on this secondary role. Um, Have I learned a lot? (laughs) You betcha. But uh, um, I love it. It, it. Both hats allow me to really leverage technology, Denise's group, from a BI perspective to push the food and beverage business forward.
1: Yeah, so that's great. So on that note, so Denise, you had said, obviously, like five years ago, you were focused, you know, from a drop count and you kind of uh, talked a little bit about how that's grown. So can we get into like a little bit more detail about that?
2: Yeah, definitely. So my first project was to figure out how do we get people to come back to the building? And I think people would be surprised to learn for all live events, even concerts where you're only buying one specific ticket, lots of people don't show up. So they paid for the ticket, but they're not coming to the building. And so we started to ask questions, why aren't they coming? What's preventing them from coming? If they really can't come, are there other options for their tickets? such as we now have a program where people can donate their tickets to charity. And so we get a lot of underprivileged children who get to use tickets that people can't come. And so that's been a really great program. And then do things like theme nights, Western night, bobblehead night. Do those types of things actually bring people into the building? And so we started there and ended up with looking at our food choices. Does the price of food impact if people are coming? Does the price of parking impact if people are coming? Do our selection of food offerings impact? Uh, Obviously weather, being in Calgary, um, the snowstorms we have, we look at day of the week, start time, opponent, All of those types of things to try and figure out the best way to have a great customer experience. We want every fan, regardless of the product on the ice, to have a great time when they're in our building.
4: That's really cool. And I I like the idea of being able to make use of seats that have been sold, but maybe someone's not going to show up. And I've seen that many times and there's been a few you know, concerts and games that I haven't shown up to and I've bought a ticket to. Um, But yeah, question for you, you know, that that's normally a last minute decision or it might be a last minute decision, whether it's weather related or just, you know, something's going on. How does IT support being able to figure out when people can't come and then be able to reallocate those tickets almost in not real time, but hours and, and maybe less than hours versus days? Is there any IT challenges to that?
3: There, there's always IT challenges, um, but what what we've done to combat that is is arm people with with easy ways to to transfer their tickets um, with our partners through Ticketmaster. We've developed uh, apps where people within with a couple of clicks they can transfer their tickets to a friend, they can sell them back through the secondary market, um, they can donate them to charity, as Denise has said. Or, or let their account manager know, hey, we just can't use these. Is there somebody else in line that would be willing to pay for these? So w- we've tried to make it as simple as possible for people to to transfer their ticket uh, once they've purchased them.
1: So is there anything like while you were going through these like practices and, and learning about like the food um, and the times in the, in the teams and, you know, bobbleheads or not bobbleheads, is there anything that like came up that kind of surprised you?
2: So I would say it sort of reaffirmed what I thought in that opponent is really the single biggest driver. If you have the Toronto Maple Leafs here, the Montreal Canadiens, they're going to come. The fans are going to come. Generally, it's fans of the opposing team who are coming. (laughs) They don't come that often. But... Day of the week and saturation of games in a week is what surprised me, the impact that that has. And so you have a few diehard fans who love coming to the building Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, but the majority of people can't work that into their life. Right. And so how do we, A, work on our schedule, work with the NHL and the other teams to maybe – only have two in a week or three in a week rather than four. But then also, what types of ticketing products can we offer so that so we now have, and we've had it for a while, but it, it allows us to sort of create new products. But how how do you make it so that people can buy five games or 10 games or a select pack so that you you have to reach a broader client base in order to sell the same number of tickets, but then you get more people to come to the building. And again, it goes to um, allowing them to easily transfer their tickets. A lot of our clients are corporate clients, so we need to market to them because they're the ones who are giving away their tickets. So they weren't coming Monday, Wednesday, Friday anyway. So, how do we then market to people who get transferred tickets and entice them to come? Because what we found out was corporate clients were giving their tickets to their customers and they weren't using them and they didn't know. So, when we would call them to ask why they didn't use their tickets, they were actually unaware that their customer hadn't used the tickets. So, how do we get that customer's information so that we can? maybe give them a food offer or a retail offer or a deal on parking to try and get new customers into the building.
1: Yeah. So that's interesting. So do you, are you sharing, um, does this information get shared like within the NHL or do you tend to just kind of keep it uh, local or within your own kind of group?
2: Actually, I just came back last night from a conference in Las Vegas with all the other NHL teams and there we had two days of sessions where everybody shares everything now we have to be a little careful because of um collusion laws in the united states right about you know we have to keep it a little high level but definitely we all share what we're doing what we're looking at and how how they it changes what they do and the, and the increase in revenue. Because at the end of the day, if you drive great customer experience, you'll drive your bottom line.
4: So, Denise, not to put you on the spot there, but that's pretty cool. Didn't realize that a hey, conferences in Vegas are always uh, fun for the first couple days. But any cool takeaways, any high-level things that you can share coming out of that conference?
2: So, you know, one of the things that I learned was that most of the other teams have significantly larger um, business intelligence units than we do. And they have, I learned how they created their departments and the types of people they look for to help drive revenue. Um, One of the other teams has a social sciences PhD from Oxford University. One has an astrophysicist. So they're bringing all these different types of skill sets to try and come up with different ideas and brainstorming of how do we do this, how do we do that. And I think the interesting thing that I took from it was there's a team who actually, they have multiple teams, and they actually rearrange their food menu boards based on which team is playing because, you know, NBA team might like different food than the NHL team crowd and so they've actually seen a higher revenue just by changing the menu board order which blew my mind
1: yeah like like you mean like putting like french fries on the top versus on the bottom of the menu yes (laughs) really
2: i know like it blew my mind (laughs) i mean I, i definitely have
1: to say that i like even when i lived in boston the bruins fans like hockey fans are completely different than like the celtics fans or basketball fans like it's a different just even like what they wear. Right. So I do find it fascinating. I'm not surprised the audience changes, but but I do find it amazing to think that just moving the order of food will really impact our brain. That says a lot. No, You know, it's, it's I guess it's not surprising then that they're hiring people with these degrees because it is so much about like how we see things or how it just registers in our brain and whether or not, oh, that's the first thing we see. We really like that food, so I'm going to order that first. I do know that if I look at a menu and there's something I like, and it's like I get really excited about it, I don't always go to the next item. So that's fascinating.
4: That's cool. It's almost like where your eye is drawn to. And if you can understand and develop like that, you know, A, I'm from Boston, so a Bruins fan likes this more than that, maybe you put a, a box around it or you put it to the top and you're going to sell that, more popular and maybe a higher margin product so that that's a that's pretty cool and it doesn't seem like it's a a huge lift to be able to to do that it's almost low-hanging fruit to be able to at least identify what it is and then you have to figure out how do you uh you change the boards and everything
2: and you know it's interesting because we are the oldest building in the nhl and so we don't even actually have digital menu boards on all of our concession stands only half the building does So we don't have that ability to even do variable pricing for, you know, an NHL team versus our WHL team or NLL team. So it becomes, you know, the newer technology allows you to do these types of things, so we may have to invest in, You know digital menu boards on the other side to be able to do some of these things but like you said it is low-hanging fruit that's not a huge investment for us so you know with all these new learnings from all the different teams um, it's great to to be able to find the low-hanging fruit that we can improve the customer experience
1: so are there other like business and technology challenges that you're actually like facing like realizing okay as a business this is something that I, we need to do or we think is beneficial, especially when it comes to, um, you know, especially like you were saying, like for food or retail or anything like that, but the technology just doesn't support it at this time.
2: Yeah, you know, we are looking at digital currency. And so it's hard in our building to be able to get the infrastructure to take that. So that's one of our technology challenges right now is, How do we, with our systems, what investment would it take or what new system do we need to be able to have a preloaded, whether it's a card or whether it's on an app, that people could just come to the building and have their tickets there and cash so that they could just walk up to any concession stand, retail stand, and not have to carry a wallet or anything like that, especially with, heightened security and bag checks and and those types of things, you want to make it as easy as possible. And so that's one of the things we're investigating and haven't been able to sort of crack the nut on, is what can we use that's either one card, because believe it or not, we do have a lot of customers who don't have smartphones. And so we need to always be mindful of anything we think of that's digital, what type of alternative are we going to give those people who don't have smartphones? And so that's one we're working on right now. Another one is we also have a football stadium, and it is also, I think, the oldest football stadium in the CFL, and we don't yet have – we can't deploy an app over there or anything like that because we don't have cell coverage, we don't have – have anything like that. So, so there's definitely a lot of technology challenges that come with aging buildings.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so what has, um, cause I was like thinking it would be so much more beneficial to you if you could certainly map like a ticket and somehow identify who that person is. Cause I know you've talked a lot about, you know, although I buy a ticket, it's, I'm not the one that ends up using it, or maybe I buy a pack of like four, and you don't know who those four people are, right? So it's hard to really apply that person to that ticket, right? But at least you can use additional tools that says like this ticket also bought this food or, or this retail item or something along these lines, right? I mean, that's, that would be one of those huge advantages that you have to that. Is that something you are looking at or?
2: Yeah. And what we'd like to be able to do, we think if you, if we went to mobile entry, and stop taking tickets or cards or or even PDFs, it would do a lot of things. First of all, it would combat fraud. You know, a lot of people sell barcodes and things like that on Kijiji. And so people get to the building and multiple people have the same barcode. So only the first person gets in because the person selling it you know, was doing so fraudulently. So it would combat that because the moment you transfer it, it would kill all the other barcodes and it's only because we're not taking paper, you can't counterfeit it. So it would help our customers in that way. And then, you know, lots of people, the most common purchase is for tickets. Lots of times people are coming after work, things like that, so they're not, all coming in together so you could easily transfer your ticket and you wouldn't have to meet your friend at the door you could meet them at the bar whatever in the building <clears throat> and so then we would learn who that person is right then and so we're thinking that mobile entry would really help us increase who's in our building who's using the ticket and then if we could add the digital currency piece we would now know what they're spending and then we could start to advertise to them. We know that Zed comes to the, you know the games every weekend. He only seems to come on weekends, and he always buys a beer and a hot dog. Well, maybe now we can give him a coupon for a free beer and hot dog. We're not allowed to give free alcohol, but you get you get the point. But and then but for a Thursday night game. So can we entice Zed to come on Thursday if we how if we give him the beer and hot dog or even a discount on the beer and hot dog. So those are the types of things we'd like to do. We just haven't figured out the technology to get it done yet.
1: And, and to add on that though. So I've, I've talked to other customers, um, that were also, they were like smaller college programs and they have like the staff we've talked about this digital specifically to your point, like, wouldn't it be great if you could offer a coupon, especially if they were standing in line too long at a concession stand you know, they were like, well, if I could pop up a coupon, then that maybe that would make them happier. But then what they were telling me was their staff um, is not really technologically advanced that they couldn't support that. So do you see like a correlation at all with like a staff? Do you are you looking at that part? Or the, does your can your staff also support that the people that are getting these digital tickets and getting this technology that they can understand all of those tests? Or, or is your staff pretty inept at that? Or so, talented at that.
3: So the staff are, the staff are the staff. We have, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have a lot of staff. Uh, we we have about fifteen hundred part time staff. Um, a lot of them that have been here for for many years. I think that's one of the challenges we're having in the sense of how do we simplify the transaction? Because I think that's key to the whole right. coupon solution. Is is how do you make it so seamless? Anybody can do it. And I think that that's what we're trying to do. And hence, we haven't really deployed anything yet. Um, obviously, there is a training platform on the staff. But but can you make it so simple that no matter what it is, it's, anybody can do it. And, and it's so simple for the customer that it's a no-brainer.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So on that note, have you, you know, within these past five years that you've been working on this, has there been anything that you've introduced specifically because you've done data analytics, you know what I mean? Or, or things that you've just um, never really had before those five years. But now that you're doing all of this like understanding of your audience and um, having people come in or even with the food and beverage that you've introduced something completely new that you, you knew that you wouldn't have been able to do it without the analytics.
2: So one of the interesting things that uh, Zed and I worked on this season was before the season began, we analyzed all of the food and beverage concession stands, each one by themselves, revenue cost, labor, to figure out which were our lowest producing stands and what should we then do with them to make them higher. And so we did a wine bar, a whiskey bar, we've introduced um, a test kitchen. And our revenue has increased significantly, and our customer feedback has been off the charts. And so without analyzing all of the concession stands to know which ones weren't doing well, and it was interesting, it was the coffee stands that were not doing well, and so the coffee stands are gone, and they had actually got Tim Hortons back in the building, which is a really big deal in Canada, and so, they have now a separate kiosk that is also doing really well. And then we have the wine bar and whiskey bar. So we are keeping all of the customers happy and still increasing the revenue.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome. I certainly think I would be spending most of my time at the wine bar.
4: <laughs> whiskey bar and Tim Hortons for me, hands down. <laughs> I was gonna be like, Every night.
1: <laughs> if you need some testers of like the wine, I will absolutely fly up there and spend... All night drinking and watching, you know, The Flames. I would, like, love that, actually.
4: She's pretty good at that. <laughs> I'm skilled.
1: Um, but on that note, though, like, haven't you said before that also, like, you were talking even about, like, concerts, right? Like, all live events are having the same problem, right? Are there people outside of, like, sporting events that that seem to somehow, like, solve it? Because I know you've talked before about, like, a loyalty program, and that may not always, like, work, but sometimes some artists have like fan-based kind of um, offerings and that seems to help?
2: Yeah, so that seems to help drive the ticket sales, but not necessarily getting people in the building once they've bought the ticket. And so I think the reason that, you know, your Live Nations, your AEGs, they're the big promoters that we deal with and, and that most buildings deal with. They're not looking at it because it won't actually increase their revenue. They get the ticket sales. And so there's not as much focus on the concert side of it, which I find interesting. And a lot of other sports teams don't actually run their buildings. Some do, some don't. And so when I go to like the meetings I was just in, everyone's focused on the sports, because not everyone runs their building. Not everyone even runs their food or their retail. A lot of those are third party that they they just get a, a royalty off of. And so they don't get to control all aspects of the building like we do. And so it's interesting when you look at concerts, the wine bar is actually more popular during concerts, the whiskey bar is more popular during sporting events, and so it goes back to how if you just change your menu board during different types of events, but it might go further to should we actually have different food offerings depending on not only if it's a sporting event versus a concert, but on the type of concert. You know, when you look at, let's say, a Justin Bieber, when you look at the Ziad say shaking his head. <laughs>
1: I can't stop laughing. I'm like, oh, alright Canada. I forgot.
4: Uh, <laughs> the Beebs. The, Biebs. the Biebs.
2: Okay. What about Rush?
1: I love Rush. Can we talk about Rush? That makes. Sure.
2: So if we go to the hip, right, the <laughs> yes. typically hip we here. They're going to be more of a drinking crowd. But your younger, like the reason I was talking about Bieber was because his fans they want all the merchandise. Right. So so obviously they're not a high drinking crowd because of their age, but they want all the trinkets and the T-shirts and right. all of those types of things. So even just the concert type can change what we should be offering. Go ahead.
4: No, no. I was just going to say. So that's that's awesome. Targeted. I was going to say he's a Bieber fan. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Biebs. Um, <laughs> uh, so targeted offerings. That's awesome. What about also like targeted staff allocation or based on the concert or based on the sporting event, whether it's a a wine-heavy crowd or a whiskey-heavy crowd or what have you? Do you kind of see like, hey, we should allocate more uh, staff to support the whiskey bar or the wine bar?
2: So we actually break down all of the events that we have in the building by type. So even our sporting events. We have four or five categories of of NHL, and so it's the combination of opponent, start time, day of the week, where we are in the season, those types of things. And we then do prediction on how much we think each revenue stream is going to make, and then that allows us to staff appropriately. And then for food, as an example, Ziad will make changes on the fly based on the weather and those types of things. So maybe I'll let Zia talk about how he deals with staffing.
3: Yeah, and on the staffing side, because you're dealing with so many, no different than pa- patrons coming to the games or to a concert, we have the same sort of problem on staffing. So you may have a, <laughs> a, a, a no-show factor of, of upwards of 10%. So uh, it is a bit of a Tetris game when folks walk in the building. We do know the crowd Uh, We do know data from other stadiums and what the expectations are. And we try to resource accordingly, but uh, we have been caught in the past.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. So one of those, you know, it's great. We're talking about all these great things that you're learning, but I think it's also really important to understand if there's any mistakes that you've made that would maybe the audience would like love to hear about. Is there anything that you can share that, wow, if I had known this is, this, uh, it would have been great to have known this beforehand, or it'd be great to like share this information of like, just mistakes or problems that you ran into or what you've learned along the lines.
2: So I would say one of the things for me that I thought we were doing well was, you know, we talked earlier about the theme nights and bobblehead nights, they don't actually drive people to come to the building at all. And so it doesn't mean we're going to stop doing them. It just means that we're doing it now to create a good customer experience, and we're not doing it because we believe it's going to increase our drop count. Um, One of the other things is we have a venue app called Saddledome Live, and we offer the in-seat food and beverage, which is going really well. We also offer in-seat retail, and nobody is purchasing from that. So if you look at Amazon, it shows that – People want delivery, they want. They don't need to try everything on, but yet when they're in the building, they want to go to the store. And for people who've been to the building, our retail space is very limited, and so it can be hard to move around during an intermission, and so it's not a great experience. We're working on, on improving that. So we thought for sure people would, really gravitate towards the retail in seed service. And so far we have not figured out how to convince them to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So is, does everything that's in the app, is it in the store or are there like the app has maybe things that are not available in the store?
2: Um, it doesn't yet have things that aren't available, but we're looking at potentially putting some exclusive, maybe game used jerseys yeah. type of thing to drive people there, but we have one of the highest Jersey sales, uh, in the NHL. Oh, really? And so we thought for sure, you know, we'll put jerseys on people who are new coming to the building cause we're called the sea of red. And so m- most people who come all have on the red Jersey. And so lots of people buy it who, you know, first time or that type of thing. We also put cheaper items on. We put hats on. We tried gift with purchase, get a game used puck if you buy. We tried free, you know, free delivery to your seat. All of these things and yet yeah, nothing. We have not been able to figure that out yet.
4: You know, feedback's important and you mentioned earlier that, you know, you get some direct feedback from the, the attendees and, and the customers. Are you also getting feedback from other business stakeholders and other organizations within the business as far as, you know, things to adjust or things to focus on or how does that impact your prioritization, but also just overall impact the, uh, the business of analytics with you guys?
2: So I think we have some business units that utilize us heavily, work closely with food, work closely with our ticketing department, and we're just starting to work, you know, with our sponsorship group and and with our retail group. Um, and so I think it'll be good when we get everyone working on it, so that we can get a holistic view of the customer, and not just the ticket customer, but we have suites, long-term suite holders, we have great marketing partnerships, and so it would allow us to go to our sponsors and say, here's the demographics of everybody in the building, or you want to market to, you know, 25 to 35 year old females. Well, you should market during this concert, because in the past, this type of concert has been 80% of your demographic. Those types of things would be great. So there's still so much to do. (laughs) Yeah. And
1: I was just curious, like on that, on the note there's we talk a lot about like things that are happening within you know the building or the arena that you can imagine but there's obviously there has to be like third party entities that kind of pop up that you don't that have a huge impact right so like weather or something along those lines how do you how do you do that do you do you try to make decisions on the fly do you look at maybe how you've made decisions in the past and go back and look at that. How do you kind of address those things? We were just talking about how much snow that you guys got like last <laughs> night and it's like, okay, so we've a lot of snow and if there's a game, like how do we obviously not only have to worry about getting rid of the snow, which is, you know, huge problems that we have to deal in snow ridden places. Um, how do you, how does that, you know, play into all of this?
2: You know, we've done some focus groups lately and with our football club, like most football clubs people love to tailgate and so with our weather that causes a lot of problems because we were trying to flip that over and get people to tailgate here at at the saddle dome and during the playoffs you may or may not have nice weather it can be snowy and minus 30 it might also be plus 10 and quite lovely out. So we always try and prepare for the worst but hope for the best. So we, you know, deploy heaters. We have snow removal on standby. We have all those things because we look at historical and go, okay, generally in April, what have we done? What, you know, what's worked, what hasn't? Do we need a tent? Do we need, so there's lots of things that we look at based on past experience, but we had a football game this year, 6,000 people came because it was a whiteout blizzard. <clears throat> I honestly can't believe 6,000 people came. It was insane. Yeah. But there's some things that all the data in the world, you're still not going to be able to change the outcome.
1: I love that.
4: So I wanted to quickly shift gears to... Uh, just to talk a little bit about the infrastructure and the technology. So, so yeah, you, you talked and, and both you um, talked about some of the, the challenges of infrastructure. It, it's an older building and, and just trying to get everything uh, to support the the business goals and priorities. Can you talk a little bit about what infrastructure you're using, some of the technologies that you're using to help make all of these great things possible?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're a, we're a big Dell MC shop. So we've, We've recently refreshed our data centers uh, to the VxRail line from Dell, which is a hyper-converged stack, um, really allowing us to very seamlessly spin up, spin down, and, and move resources accordingly with what the business needs um, in a very, very efficient fashion. Um, we do run two stadiums, um, and and we've replicated those um, some of our challenges that continue to exist is some of the uh, the networking side. Um, we, we continue to increase the amount of data that we're pushing, um, and we've got a 40-gigabyte backbone at the moment, and, and we're looking to increase that. Uh, if you look at the video, if you look at social uh, data that's coming back, you look at all the data that we have uh, traversing on a game night, um, it's really piling up every single day. So um, we love what we've done with Dell and we continue to push that forward um, over the next few years.
1: So are there any apps that you specifically use for data analytics? I mean, we certainly, you know, think that, you know, applications have a huge impact and I know you've talked about them, you know, on the phone or anything along those lines, but um, is that about it from an application perspective or are you building out your own, um, Toolsets and capabilities.
3: Yeah, so we we've done a couple of pilots. So if someone's starting on this journey, I, I'd, I'd highly recommend um, a couple of things. One, kind of understand what you're trying to do, understand the questions that you're trying to answer, um, and and two, make sure that the data that you're collecting is is clean enough to do something with it. So we mm-hmm. learned the hard way in the sense that we we've gone down a path and we've. We've re-changed that. So Denise's team, uh, in, in conjunction with some third parties and IT, have have developed a, a data warehouse which all the data from all the subsystems is collecting in a fashion that, uh, and in a way that we can analyze it. Um, Denise also use a, uses a product called Spotfire to visualize the data, to analyze it, to, to crunch the numbers through it and, and push it back out to the business. So we do have some data analytics tools that help us do what we need. Um, But really the fundamental foundation of that is the warehouse that she's built that aggregates all the data uh, from a number of different systems and and including spreadsheets that um, I think everybody today still uses all over the place.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I think those good old Microsoft tools are still used. A lot. We talk about that in security, how people using like for compliance requirements, the number one competitor is um, Microsoft Excel because everyone <laughs> still tracks everything using those tools. I get it. I get it. So before we start um, this rapid fire segment that um, hopefully you guys aren't nervous about, I just was wondering if there's anything that you wanted to leave the audience with um, or like one last note that you wanted to make sure that got discussed um, that we certainly haven't covered on our part.
2: What I would say, sort of to echo what Ziad was talking about, is you need to make sure whether it's a third-party vendor or someone that you know you hire internally, that whoever you're working with understands your business. We it took um, three external consultants that that help with the warehouse before I got someone who actually understood how complicated sports and entertainment can be they look at it and go oh well, it's it's just a hockey team it'll be really easy you know and here in calgary they focus mostly on oil and gas and because we have we're really a ticketing business a sponsorship business a food business an arena management business a retail business it's really complicated and then because we have relied so heavily on Spreadsheets and manual processes, you really need to anticipate pushback until you create a culture of change because there are a lot of things that we can't build computer logic for that you can manually do in a spreadsheet, no problem. So there's a lot of process change that comes along with getting data that you can analyze because for years, the 30 years that, that we've been around, we've done so much stuff manually. You know, we print out of this system, print out of this system and then populate stuff in Excel and then manually manipulate it. And that's what gets presented. There's just sometimes no computer logic that you, you can write to do that.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. See, so, yeah, did you want to leave the audience with anything?
3: Yeah, if I, I I think everyone and anyone that's trying to do this, I think it's a journey that every organization needs to look at. Um, I'm not sure that any business uh, can't afford to really invest in analytics and and understanding the data and understanding their customers. Um, It's something that doesn't take um, a ton of effort to get going, but I think the value that we've seen and the value that the league has seen long term I think it's a great journey. Um, Everybody should be at least talking about it uh, from a strategic perspective.
2: The one other thing I would say is we have for years collected data, you know, customer surveys, that type of thing, and honestly haven't done a lot with them. So I would say to don't collect data just because it's popular and everybody's doing it have the end goal in mind and then go what do i need to get there because we've spent lots of time and money collecting data that hasn't necessarily been helpful to analyze or in some cases it lives on a spreadsheet somewhere and nobody looks at it again
1: yeah that's interesting i love that because i think that's what a lot of customers are or not customers but just people are just dealing with um as a whole that are trying to like certainly tackle that so i think that's really really great information so Thank you both for sharing all that. Now, this is my favorite part. We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal in a segment we like to call Rapid Fire.
4: Nothing Uh, is off limits. Nothing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) On that note, um, so what year do you think that Skynet will go online? (laughs)
2: 2038. Ooh, ooh, okay. Okay.
1: Zia, so yeah, did you want to – do you have an opinion? No. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to touch that one. <laughs>
3: uh, I, I'll pass.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what's the last book that you read?
2: American Assassin.
3: Ooh, uh, good one. Mine was The Five Dysfunctions of a, of a Team. That's a oh, good one too.
1: maybe we should do a podcast about that. <laughs> Um, so what's the genre of music that you're currently like rocking to?
2: I have everything on my playlist from classical to ACDZ.
1: Nice. And
2: yeah. even Justin Bieber. I'm not even oh, going to lie. Uh... I have one or two Justin Bieber songs.
4: Yeah. so <laughs> Someone has to, uh, to say they're rocking out to Bieber right now. <laughs> we should have had a drinking game.
1: <laughs> How many times say Bieber.
4: All right, so uh, this is a specific one. Uh, what's your favorite Tim Hortons
3: donut? Wow. Boston cream for sure.
2: So I don't eat Tim Hortons donuts because I am a plant-based person.
1: <laughs> Good for you. I try to be. I've ordered like uh, those pretty, those ready-prepared meals that are plant-based. And then it's funny, after we eat them, yeah, then it's like, hey, let's have some – cheese and crackers and <laughs> candy. And I'm like, I don't think this is how this is supposed to work. <laughs> Retraining the body. Um, so what piece of technology is making life worse right now in your world?
3: Uh, that's a great question. Probably from a cybersecurity perspective, I would say um, the ever evolving credit card slash cell phone pay Apple pay uh, and trying to keep keep it safe. That would be our number one challenge today.
1: Yeah. It's good to know. Denise, you have a input or you want to pass on that one? You all get like one pass, I guess. <laughs> New <role. laughs>
2: No, I would just say because we've come become so dependent on technology, yeah. as soon as anything goes down, we basically become useless <laughs> and so just even like any network goes down, anything, and I, because I am, I don't have paper in my office, I literally just have my screens and my computers and so if they go to, I'm like, I'm just going to go home guys, I literally can't do anything.
1: Yeah, that's so funny. As you were like, right? I'm like looking at my 10 post-it notes that I have all around my desk because I'm definitely a paper person. I can't even read them, but um, this is so funny. It is interesting how one that's like so technology focused and, and not and what impact that has on your life. Absolutely. Um, so what is your biggest money pit right now?
2: So I'm a minimalist, so I don't buy a lot of stuff, but I am about to build a house in Hawaii
3: and I feel like that's going to be a lot. She has no children. So I have, yeah,
2: I have no children.
3: (laughs) So I have two children and I think that's what's my money pit right now.
1: (laughs) Denise is like the person that I want to be. That's all I have to say. I'm stating this right now in the podcast. Like I want to be a plant-based person. I want to not write on paper. I want to have a house in Hawaii. (laughs) It's good to know. Um, so on that note, are you going anywhere interesting soon? That's not Hawaii.
2: I'm going to Lisbon at the beginning of April.
1: Oh my god! I'm just I'm planning a trip to Lisbon. We're gonna do more in Ju- July. So that's interesting. So you'll we'll have to share some pointers. You have to tell me what you're uh what you're planning on. How that's working out?
2: Yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. I've never yeah. been to Portugal. I've been um to lots of places in Europe, but. We thought I needed somewhere relatively warm after all the snow
1: we had. <laughs> yeah, I bet.
4: Yeah, that's great. Okay, we'll have to talk about that. Cool. We spent a lot of time talking about food today. So, what's <laughs> what's your favorite food at the arena? What do you what do you guys like to eat when you uh, go to a, a hockey game or a game in particular?
3: Yeah, you got to go for a, a a burger. We have a, a primary burger. It's my go-to uh, for sure.
2: And Ziad is getting me the Impossible Burger, which is a the best vegan burger. But right now, I normally just eat tater tots. So I'm not going <laughs> to lie.
1: <laughs> that's interesting. And that's, like, on that note, I mean, there's definitely so many different, like, food allergies or food kind of plans, right? There's, like, pale- uh, like the paleo. There's a – I know there's, like, the – 30 program or something. There's like so many new food things out. Do do you guys relay that or kind of add that or think about that when you look at your menus? I mean, poor Denise, you're plant-based and you're eating tater tots, but.
3: It's funny, like, you know, of our uh, total food revenue, it's really made up. We have, call it 200 items on the menu, but the top 10 make up over 95% of the menu Uh, Of the revenue so so even though we we do try a bunch of stuff we bring in a bunch of stuff It's crazy like the beer the popcorn uh, the hot dogs the burgers Make up majority of our sales no matter what you do, but we we do try and cater as much as we can uh, to the gluten-free folks uh, to some vegetarian folks (laughs) (laughs) And and not DK much as as (laughs) well.
1: That's awesome. So uh, one last question for this rapid fire. So what show are you currently um, binging on?
2: I'm binging on Death in Paradise. It's a British detective show uh, based uh, in Guadalupe, uh, one of the French islands. And it's just a fun little cop show.
3: And I'm watching uh season one of Westworld. I'm stuck on that one. Nice. Oh, that's a good
4: show.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen either of them. i I've added them to my uh post its that are on my <laughs> on my desk. <laughs> I'll get to those right away. So again, thank you all so much for uh, joining this um, great session. Again, I'm so happy finally, Zia, that we're able to pull this together. It was snowing here when I last saw you. Um, we were in Boston at the time, but um, just so great that we're able to pull it together. I just love this story. I can't wait to um, really share it with everyone out there and just show how everyone just dealing with data in their own way and the issues that they're running into it and how they're solving them and. I think that's important for people to get a greater understanding. So thank you both, Denise and Ziad, for joining us, uh, Bart and I, on the uh, Big Data Beard podcast.
0: Before you go, we have a quick reminder that Strata Data London is less than two months away, and we're giving one lucky listener a free pass on April 25th. To enter for your chance to win, all you have to do is join our mailing list, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or review our podcast in iTunes. Each time you do one of these, you're entered for your chance to win. We'll be announcing the winner on April 25th via our YouTube channel. For more information, check out BigDataBeard.com. And as always, use promo code PCBeard for any O'Reilly, Strata, Data, or AI conference pass, and you'll get a 20% discount. The music from this episode is from Andrew Bell. Check him out in iTunes or Spotify. Thanks for listening to The Big Data Beard.